had I known how long it was going to take me three and a half years ago, four years ago, whatever that is, I probably uh, would have never started. I think that's true for a lot of good ideas. They're more work and more trouble than you ever imagined. Mark Zalmi had an idea how to organize things on pegboards in his garage. Putting everything in jars and hanging them from the pegboards was Mark's idea. And that idea led him down a path over several years to develop a product and test it and sell it in hardware stores. The product is called Wallworks. It's a clip that holds a jar securely by its lid and mounts on a pegboard. I'm as interested like how you got to this idea and what you had to do to develop it and then right. who it serves and what, what your response has been. Yeah, it's been an interesting story. There's an interesting story behind everything that's made and this story belongs to Mark. Welcome to MakeCast, a podcast about how we make the world better. I'm Dale Doherty. MakeCast is brought to you by the members of Make Community, who support makers in their community and around the world. To learn more about membership, visit make.co. My name is Mark Zalmi. I live here in uh, Asheville, North Carolina. A lot of folks know about Asheville. We're famous for the Biltmore House, and I work in engineering. I run the engineering lab for a company called AVL Technologies by day, and it's through that CAD exposure and 3D printing exposure that I came to this product in the end. It's been three and a half long years, Dale, to be honest with you. So... You're an engineer. I work in engineering. I do a lot of engineer responsibilities. I carry that hat, but I, I'm not a degree engineer. I'm a maker. That's what I like to hear. When I visit makerspaces or other people's garages or workshops, I'm always fascinated by the different organizing systems that they come up with. Of course, some people like me aren't so well organized. I like the idea that everything has its place, but if only I can find it in the first place. So Dale, I had a problem. Going back three and a half or so years ago, I had a problem with my storage in my garage. I had plenty of pegboard, but not a good solution for the transparent storage solution. And I identified readily available mason jars as the solution, glass mason jars. So I had designed and developed some products to adapt the jar lid to the standard metal hooks that you get. And what happened was that was an utter failure because as you lift or push up on those hooks, they all just fall out. We all know they're problematic. The product is a clip that fits around a jar, and the clip connects to a base that has a pair of rivets that attach to the pegboard. The product comes with plastic jars, each with the clip and base. I had all originally had it designed as one piece to be utilized with the glass mason jar. You provide your own jar, you just buy this clip from me. And what happened was, is when I started pitching this to local hardware vendors, they really liked it, but they didn't like the glass in the garage. They wanted no part of that. So at that point, I literally took that clip, which was one piece, and went to our local grocery store and started snapping on, just snapping on all the jars I could find. And uh, it just so happens it fit very well on this mayonnaise jar. And that was problematic too, because the company that I identified as that particular jar would not sell me any unless I bought $2 million a year. So I had to find another vendor. And luckily, I did find one that would sell to me a pallet at a time. So at that point, I started talking to an injection molder locally about this one-piece deal. And they explained to me this is going to be very challenging, a very challenging tool. It's going to involve some slide actions and all sorts of things and be quite costly. And then I needed to separate those into two pieces. And I was devastated. All this work I put into it, this was not going to work. I had to separate the two pieces. What I thought was a bad thing turned out to be good. All the parts would fit into 
the jar. Previously, they wouldn't. So I had a sort of kit. I see what you're saying. Inside the jar. So yeah, you inside could... the jar. When it was one piece, it wouldn't fit inside the jar. But yeah. now it would. And further, I can adapt other attachments to that base plate. I hope to grow it into other attachments, okay. magnetic attachments, maybe hooks, a screwdriver, loops, and whatever you might think of. I was partial to the mason jar part of it. it would it still work with mason jars? It works as long as they're standard mouth mason jars. Okay. There is a difference. You so mean wide mouth versus regular? It'll work with right. regular. It will not work with the wide mouth, but the regular right. it will. Five different sizes, in fact. So that's convenient. If yeah. you like to use your own, you can do that, right? I am a fan of mason jars, uh, more for canning and things like that. So I have lots of those around. You use them for lots of things. And I think it's it's pretty cool. We, actually, during the pandemic, a lot of hardware stores were out of them. Exactly. They, I couldn't find were... any myself. Right. I was looking they... for them for because for, we filmed a video during the pandemic. Right. Uh, that you see on the website. And I couldn't get mason jars for it. I was looking for mason jar candles. What's interesting there is that it's as close to a, a standardized container as you can find in some ways. If you're going through the grocery store, you see all kinds of sizes and shapes and things like that. But building solutions on mason jars is a nice idea. It is a great idea. So your attachment is really your piece of work. That's you, you, what you've created here. So did you apply for a patent on it? I or? Did. Okay. I did. So we have our patent attorney here that for the company that I work for by day. Yeah. And one of our senior engineers connected me with him. Maybe I got the inside rate. Maybe I didn't. I was told I did, but it was still pretty costly in the end. So the patent, we did some design patents, utility patent. The design patents we ultimately abandoned because the designs had changed to what they are yeah. now. Yeah. Uh, the utility patent we carried forward, and but the, the patent was approved. So I think they say within a month or so, I should receive that, I guess, what you get to hang on your wall, official form. Your initial challenge was actually making it at scale. You did the design of these parts and you 3D printed them and figured out they work, but that's not a way to make lots of them. Exactly. So you had to go go to injection molding to get them made. And that's where the two-part process came. I must have talked to Dale probably, I don't know, five different local tool makers about right. a single cavity tool for this part. And they all wanted about $20,000 to make a tool. Yeah. It's um, just to make the tool. And yeah. I, I heard people would tell me, Hey, look to aluminum. Aluminum is the way to go. Short runs. What can you make with aluminum? hundred, several hundred thousand parts versus several million, but nobody locally would do that. So I somehow, and I can't remember how I connected with a guy who had a product he brought to market. I think I reached out to him because he had introduced a product and I just wanted to, to pick his brain. He connected me with his tool maker way over in Utah, out, out West. Sure enough, he did a tool for me for $5,000 and that, yep. that made the difference for me. Why do you think that's so hard? I hear that from makers that it's very difficult to do the initial startup phases of, of physically making a product. It is very difficult. You may be familiar with uh, Proto Labs. I look to them right. maybe as a, right. as a source because... They make the tool, and I think they own the tool, but piece price is very high, right? So that was not an option for me. I wanted that one-on-one interaction with the tool maker and not a, a representative of Protolabs who may or may not understand what I'm looking for and what I need. So this guy turned out to be a, a great guy, and uh, he's making these parts for me today. So he's, he made the tool, but he's also making the part now. He made the tool, and he makes the parts, yes, which was also yeah. very attractive to me. So the guy knows... Yeah. How to make parts. He knows what he needs to do with a tool 
to make it a, a quality part. One of the things I'm interested in is scaling up production. What was your first order? What were you thinking? Because it, it matters, obviously, how big a bet you have to make up front. So here's what happened. In order to buy those jars, most cost effectively, I need to order a tractor trailer load of those things, which is, I think, 56 pallets or something, which is obviously, I don't have a place to store that that many jars, nor do I have the, the financial resources to buy that many once right now. Right. So I just bought a pallet of jars. The minimum quantity I think it was available was uh, almost 2,000 jars. So at that point, I decided my minimum order for parts would be 2,000. And also I'm purchasing the rivets, sourcing those from another vendor rather. And, and the lids, but believe it or not, the lids come from a separate vendor as well, because you don't get those from the jar manufacturer. There was the jar in its lid, the clip and the base with rivets. There are two jars in a package. So who puts the final package together of all the pieces? Um, and the I do. Them? You do. Me and my daughter, we've been working in the garage, assembling Basically just kidding these things, kidding them and yeah. wrapping, heat shrinking them. Right now we've just got our little heat gun and we're just going to town. Okay. Uh, ultimately, I would like to grow the product line, of course, and move into a larger facility. But of course, it's all speculative. This was a right. bad time with COVID. It was a terrible right. time to roll a product out. But I am in a few retail locations regionally, and it's it seems to be doing fairly well right now with spring rollout. How did you get those locations? Just Show up and talk to a buyer? Yes, at cold call and knocking on doors. There's a place in Tennessee, I'm not sure if you're familiar with Gatlinburg and Pigeon Forge, which is a huge tourist yeah. attraction. Uh, yeah. So I went over there one day, actually for a motorcycle rally is what happened. I went over there for a motorcycle rally, Dale, and it rained the whole weekend. And one of the guys I was with said, I want to take you. He saw my prototypes and he saw what I was working on. And he said, I want to take you to this little place here in town and, and, and let you take a look around. It'd be the perfect place for you to sell your product. So we visited, it looked great. When I returned home, I called him, looked up, looked up the guys of the owner and called him and said, look, I've got a product I'm trying to um, bring to market. Would you be interested in uh, taking a look? I'm more than happy to drive over and do a short demonstration for you. And he was totally receptive. He said, absolutely. Come on over and show me what you've got. Again, at that time I had prototypes. 3D printed prototypes. And he said, we like it so well that when you come to market or if you come to market with a product, we will commit to buy, I forget what he said. We'll commit to buy 500 units, I think is what he said. Great. Which is 500 of the two pack there. And sure enough, when the product came out, it was, it was at least a year later. It took at least a year for that to happen. And I sent them samples and they sent a purchase order and that's the way it went. I hand-delivered them, rented a trailer, and hand-delivered them to, the, to Tennessee. That's after three years, right? That's after all. That's going on four years. How satisfying was that? It was very satisfying. It was awesome to set up, see the display. I actually go back a few weeks later with my daughter and see the display with the, the, the TV monitor playing the video. And it was surreal. But that wasn't the end of the story. You have to keep going. And keep going. I am. Exactly. Yeah. I've got a, a few uh, orders, and I'm still making cold calls. I've got a a, a fellow that I met last spring, I should say, all, a year ago today, to the day almost. Again, I, I saw him on a COVID website. This guy has a factory in, in Virginia, and he manufactures parts for kayaks, kayak accessories. And I saw on a COVID Facebook COVID page that he was retooling his factory to manufacture COVID safety supplies, face shields and whatnot. Right. 
Right. So I said, this is the guy I need to talk to because clearly he has the capacity to do this and he has the equipment. He's manufacturing his own parts. Colt called him, drove to Virginia. He really liked my prototypes as well. And so again, a year later, fast forward, I sent him a product and it must've taken him a month or, or more to get back to it. But he reviewed it and contacted me and said, look, I love it. I want to be a part of it. So we are in talks now from a partnership standpoint, he's looking to invest and and help grow this. So I'm pretty excited about that. But yeah, just a lot of networking and talking and cold calling involved in this for sure. How would you get it into a chain of an Ace hardware stores or a national distributor? Well, it turns out Ace is relatively easy to get into because they're, they're franchised. So I was in a, a local Ace hardware store up until just recently. Now, it didn't do well in that store because, it, it, number one, it wasn't displayed very well. And number two, it was in a, a rural area. That may be not the demographic we're going for. I've actually been connected with a uh, manufacturer's rep. Now, he, he works with some of the major, probably a dozen or more major U.S. retailers. I signed an agreement with him, and he says he, says he can make, sell more of these than I could ever make. So mm. that sounds exciting. But I want to see it. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) Right? I want to see it. And frankly, if I have to get a larger facility to do that, that's what I have to do. So you you mentioned 2,000 units. Are you still on that first shipment? I've just exhausted it. Just exhausted it. So actually, uh, half of that was sold to one retail establishment. I have sent out quite a few samples. You're trying to plan for the next phase of this, both in terms of the next order, how big that will be, what kind of distribution. But these days, your business can succeed or fail based on your inventory. Do you have enough for the orders that are coming? And if you order too much, you're sitting on something until next spring. So yeah, I'm going to keep my orders small right now. But what so what I'm investigating now is scaling by having a larger tool made. I told you, I think I'm working with a single cavity tool. If I go to an eight cavity tool, that's probably going to be pretty expensive, but it drops the part cost dramatically. So you're making eight at a time instead of one, one by one. My parts would go down. I don't know what that math comes to. I'm waiting on a quote, but it would be significantly less per piece out of an eight cavity tool versus a single. And of course, anything you buy, the more you buy of it, the cheaper it gets. And that's the same thing I'm running into with with all of my uh, components that you have there. The downside is you end up with more of something you may not be able to sell. You've been there. Just So you're in your about fourth year for this. If I could break it into segments, you begin doing designs for that. How long was that? You were just trying to see if you could build something that was useful. How long did that take you? Oh, gosh. You know, that I bet it was a year. The first prototype was probably a year. When you start talking about showing prototypes, it was a little sketchy for me because you want to be careful. You want to protect your intellectual property. Typically what I do is I'd have people sign NDAs prior to, especially the tool makers, I'd have them sign NDAs before they looked at my, my prototypes. But some people refuse to. And I think that's just the nature of the world. Sometimes people refuse to do that and you still want to move forward. So based on how I felt about the relationship, I would forego that NDA on occasion. So you got to first prototype for a year. What's the next jump in your process there? I'll tell you what, to be honest with you, Dale, the most difficult and challenging part about this whole 
process was the locking mechanism you see there, the, yeah. that latching mechanism. What I had previously was insufficient, probably even unmoldable. It had sharp corners, and I'm, I'm told that's a bad thing in, in the tool making world. Actually, I went out and I found a similar product that had a similar feature to it. And I essentially copied that interface, is what I did. Actually, the base originally utilized, I had some screws for that to screw it in. There's rivets I found by accident. I received a shipment of pegboard. Of, of some very thin pegboard laminate or pegboard sheathing that came with these rivets. And I said, I got to figure out how to make these rivets work for me. And yeah. so that, that's what I did. So the second phase was testing the prototypes and refining the mechanism, the locking mechanism. And that, how long did that take, you would say? That, I kept trying to develop my own interface. That took well over a year. I would design yeah. my own interface and it, it would fail. It was insufficient. And because these parts were 3D printed using FDM technology, what I would do is I had some very expensive parts made out of an SLA type process. And the parts were incredibly expensive, but they were more realistic. They looked and felt like the real deal and they snapped together a little bit better. I didn't know which material was going to work the best, whether it was going to be straight ABS or some kind of blend or a nylon. I had a feeling nylon was out because my nylon printed parts would creep and sag. And when it comes to mold making, I've learned you've got to think backwards. Less metal equals more plastic or vice versa, right? Less plastic equals more metal on the tool. So I had to think backwards and talk to the tool maker and have him creep up, if you will, on that particular feature. And when the parts first rolled out, it was very difficult to lock that in place. And and actually, when you would latch it, it would damage the parts. It would deform the parts. Mm -hmm. Uh, So we had to go back in and tweak it some more. And that's how we did that. Not having an extensive history in mold making or plastic materials. So we started with ABS because ABS was the cheapest. And that's where we ended up. Trial and error. Trial and error. Yeah. Quite frankly, at the end of that two year period, you maybe start showing it to someone. About that time, and I started showing it. At that point, it's probably when I started looking at tool makers and went beyond prototypes and started investigating that, that type of thing. It took a lot of time. It really yeah. did yeah. to do that and identify the right tool maker. Here's, here's one thing that, that I ran into that I would hope someone can use to their benefit. There are uh, brokers out there who will outsource tool making. And what they do is they'll take your particular files and they will send them to many different tool makers, including China. And without your knowledge, I wanted to be very careful with that. And I would like anybody who's listening to know, make sure if you're dealing with a broker that you've got some kind of document, something in place, protection against your intellectual property being farmed out to God knows where. Give me the details on how do you buy them? I do sell them directly through my website, wallworks.com. That's W-E-R-X, by the way. So you can buy them there. How are they priced? So they are priced at about $11.99. Currently, they're $9.99 on the website. Ideally, I'd love for it to be a sub $10 product. At this point, I don't know that I can do that. Mark keeps working to get his product in the market. All the while, working my day job. So it's still up in the air. I've got a lot of High level people telling me this is a viable product, but I just don't know. 